0: Good people. Welcome back to another episode of Chocolate with a Side of Medicine. I am here with Dr. Chris. Hey. Dr. Sunshine. What up y'all? Dr. No-No. Hey. And then of course I'm Amy Jo M.D. Um, so we're back. Want to say thank you, as always, um, for your questions, for your your listening, uh, for your participation. We really appreciate it. All the text messages, DMs, emails. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're awesome. Um, y'all are laughing with us. You are asking questions like I've got lots of feedback. We really appreciate it. So mm-hmm. uh, how is everybody doing?
1: Things are getting going in terms of covid vaccine world. I'm happy things are rolling out at least over here in Cali, things are opening back up a little bit um, appropriately. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's that's uh, important to say. Rolling. Word rolling appro- right. appro- appropriately. Thank our you, cases Dr. Sunshine. Are, yeah. Our cases are falling and our governor is being more transparent and, you know, it's looking, it's it, we got some high hopes over here. I don't know how you guys are doing where y'all at. Our no. governor
0: just opened up the state. He opened up all the bars and put mm. the curfew off for alcohol purchases. And you can imagine that people are everywhere.
1: We don't have bars open though. We have like, we have like gyms, movie theaters, and indoor dining as well. Like that's just open, but like bars, I don't think the bars are open.
0: <laughs> and you know, mm. they're going to be packed. Well, mm. uh, you know, our our bars have been open already. So I don't, I don't want to act like, you know, the bars were completely closed and now they're wide open, but they had capacity you know restrictions on them but now the capacity restrictions have been lifted so you i can i can only imagine um
1: wait so it's like completely open like back in the day Work is over, a happy hour, hang at the bar. Like yes. it's like a
2: normal day. Yes. Oh,
1: no, no, no. We're we don't have to- that over here. <laughs> yeah, we're oh back to normal God. day.
2: Yeah. Well, I don't know when North Carolina, from what I, because like you said, like our bars are open too and restaurants are open, but um, they do have the limited capacity, like the social distancing. Um, and they also have the curfew. They have the curfew of the 10 o'clock. And I think it's still going on. I don't think they've lifted that for us. We're out here in these streets, y'all. I can't,
1: I can't even. I can't even imagine that. Even when I'm at home watching like movies on Netflix and Hulu of like pre-pandemic, like you know, crowds and concerts and stuff, it makes me feel uncomfortable. I'm like, man, <laughs> we, used to, we used to really be doing that. Like, we used to really be at concerts, rubbing elbows with other people. You know, mosh pits, like just all types of just contact. I'm like, yo, can I even go back to that? Like, You're not, can I, I even? Know, that is so hard. funny. Yeah.
2: I do know so like, funny you said that. Because I saw a concert, I saw, I think it was a Jay-Z concert that I saw like years ago. And I was looking like, wow, I miss concerts. I did say what, that. I said like, I miss look, it. I did, but I don't. I mean, I miss
1: concerts too. But when you look at it, like, wow, we're so close to each other, and yes. there's someone screaming right next to you, and you're just breathing in all the. You just, I'm it's like, true. oh my gosh, what are we doing? This, this is sick.
0: so true. I think the last concert that I went to might have been with Dr.
1: Chris. Yes, it was. Y'all did go to a concert. Yeah, it we was did. Fun. Um, we didn't invite fun. us. Didn't and, invite us. And, and hey
0: listen sorry and screaming (laughs) like i'm thinking about all my respiratory droplets that i showered onto the row in front of me we were singing uh mary j blige mjb oh yes and i just think about all the freedom right all this singing and yelling and dancing and people next to you when you turn around singing with them and i'm like wow we were so wild and crazy
3: back then
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. We
3: definitely <laughs> were. We definitely were. Yeah, Collected by it, we went to, I think, was the On the Run, like part two with Beyonce. Oh, um, first of all, yeah. we didn't go
1: to On the Run together part two because <laughs> Amy Joe saw it in a different city. So she oh, turned she up, had... to you. like, yeah, turn up in Atlanta. Did you turn up in Atlanta? Where did you see Beyonce at? He went jo. to Atlanta.
2: She went to Atlanta. Atlanta. Or
1: Houston. Yeah. She went somewhere in the south. So she didn't turn she up did. with us personally because she's like, oh, I got other plans. I'm going to see B over here. <laughs> no,
3: PureSpeed, the VIP section, bottle service, the whole nine yards. She was trying, us trying us to figure out how y'all decide to get
0: one. I'm just trying to figure out how y'all decide to wait till we record and to, you know, become complete traders. (laughs) <laughs> right. that's all i want to know like
2: how are we being traitors every time we get on
0: here one of y'all try to play me last week it was dr chris and my jays you know dr no no stay throwing me under the bus right like find some Girl, you know I'm find so some dark. uh pictures dark. of cardi b where you get them from oh not that she got them from the internet oh she got them from amy joe i mean i'm just trying to figure out like you know what is this like what, well, you know I, can i listen. live in this world
1: I just wanted to get the facts right because Nono said we were all together and I'm like, lies, we were not because Amy Joe had her own thing going on.
0: This is true. I did see uh, Beyonce and Jay-Z in Atlanta that there are no lies told there. I'm pretty sure though, I had already had my ticket and then the crew was like, ooh, we should go too. Now, for the sake of integrity we will not get into the fine details, but I just want y'all to know that even though I was not there with y'all, I'm pretty sure that I made sure that you had a really good night. And all of yes. you all know yes. exactly what I'm talking about. Yes.
2: Yeah. And I will say that you did do that. And I thank you for that because if you didn't do that. Then y'all would have got a call. Like, <coughs> yeah, <no>, work <what? laughs> Oh my God. So, That's you know, real I'm just saying. On your part. We do appreciate
0: look,
1: that. Oh, but so even gosh. though I
0: wasn't there, I was still there in spirit yes, because, you, were. you
2: know. Yes, you okay, were.
1: I take it back. I take it back. I take it back. She you, definitely right. did make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> she she it made it happen.
2: She it made it happen. Strange. Amy Jo came through like, you must have forgot. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I got a right. receipts. Like, you know. Nah, I didn't forget. I didn't forget. Thank you. I had a good time. <laughs> Man. I, I did too. Thank you. Know you know what I'm saying? I you know. said thank you. I well, didn't forget, Chris. Chris you gonna... remember when we
1: were trying to brainstorm how to go to the Bruno yes. Mars concert yes. and then we just couldn't get time off? Where we, it was like a completely different yes. year. I think it was what our first or second year. And I'm like, yes. yo, they are not trying to give us vacation time, and we can't just be like, <coughs> I'm sick, yes. and then go see Bruno <laughs> Mars. <laughs> yeah, we
2: couldn't do that. We couldn't do that. But then when we heard about Beyonce, we was like, oh no,
1: no, 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 we yeah, gotta, see
3: we, we gotta do it. this. So <laughs> yeah. we,
1: well, we can miss Bruno, we can miss Bruno, but right, we not miss right. No, I want
3: to go see Bruno in Detroit. He has something else live like he is worth it i'm amazing sure film.
2: i'm sure but i couldn't i just couldn't get it together it was a lot i was just like you know i, I wasn't making much money i'm like do i get this concert do i Yo, kind of need we, to
1: eat we t- we talked about that because the bruno prices were the same as like beyonce prices and yeah. i was like
2: yeah, 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 yeah i'm like since
1: when i'm like yeah. since, i mean listen i was shocked Chris was it was like, paper. ooh, how, how much of those? It yeah, was, I, I had to make right.
2: decisions. I had to make decisions. Do I eat or do I go to a concert? And, you know, <laughs> I, I had to, I, I felt like I had to eat because I had to still go to work, you know? <laughs> so, and then i also felt like i'm at an age like i I shouldn't i shouldn't have to be debating this you know i'm kind of old i gotta like come on you gotta be an adult you gotta be an adult you know like you shouldn't be doing this like that's not right should i go see bruno mars i should i have money for dinner so i'm the one who is doing the trending topics this week yeah (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's that's my transition guys (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, I really am going to try to figure out if I can get an air horn on here, because you know the producers, they got the little button they can push, just like, so probably
3: go cool. overboard with it. Oh, my God. Oh, no, I, I would. Oh, cool man. Song. Listen,
1: the, the, the South Florida Emmy will come out so much. I'm using the air horn every time we make a transition. Right. <laughs> right.
2: That would be so cool.
1: That's all you hear in, in in the you know, growing up in the clubs in South Florida. That's all you hear is air horns, reggae Right. That'd
2: be so cool. I like it. We should do it. You know, I'm for it. Uh, uh, I'm for it. So well, the last so the last episode, Dr. Nona did a great job and she did a whole history on black um about like black history, which was great. It, and I thought that was it. great. But you know what, guys, it's not a competition, right? So <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. So we're not going to do that. <laughs> and I'm okay with that.
1: That's fair.
2: That's fair. Oh, Dr. Chris, I love
1: you. Oh, my God. Dr. Kristen already set her own bar. Low. That's right. Okay. That's yes, right.
2: Because if that's what you were expecting, because it's Black History Month, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, <laughs> anyway, Ooh, my oh. so, um, basically the one, uh, so I have like two things that we were going to talk about. I found an article. This article came out in, um, today it was issued like, uh, last year sometime in July. I read it and then I had, uh, was it this week or maybe last week? I also had some patient encounters that kind of related to the topic and I was like, wow. I'm if you you guys don't know, I'm kind of into like signs a little bit. And I just kind of felt like God was speaking to me and I need to talk about this. It's on my heart.
3: <laughs> so <laughs> <you> hurt, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> God, I gotta hear this. Oh my
2: Lord. It was about this um black woman that um it was talking about black women on pain and the implicit biases in medicine. So the story was basically, I'm just going to give you like a real like summary, like little synopsis of the whole article. So it started about this um, young 37 year old African-American woman who lived in Alabama. Um, and she has a history of sickle cell disease and, um, Mm. people who don't know with um, sickle cell disease. So basically it's, it's a disease that a lot of African-Americans have. It's basically, um, it's a mutation that they have in their red blood cells, which kind of causes their um, red blood cells to not be circular, but more like sickle. And they go through these, these crises, like sickle cell crises. And so what happens is sometimes that these um, sickled red blood cells kind of get stuck in, the, in small blood vessels and cause lots of pain. And it can be really serious. Like um, they can have uh, really serious things like acute chest syndrome where they can die from it. They can have pneumonia and they can also get like um, necrosis, meaning like in the area that um, there's no, there's not getting enough, they're not getting enough oxygen or blood to a certain area and it causes it to die. So like they could get like really severe joint pains. Mm-hmm. Um, they could even have strokes from it. So it's pretty serious. Mm-hmm. So in this article, <clears throat> she was talking about that she um, went to the ER, and because she has sickle cell and she would get sickle cell crisis pretty often, so she kind of frequently goes to the ER. And she was telling the doctor that she had pain, and the doctor gave her pain medicine, but she was like, her pain is not that well controlled. But the doctor, I guess, didn't believe her that she had the pain and decided to stop her payments. And but mm-hmm. she was begging the doctor, telling the doctor, like, listen, like I'm in pain. I need you to treat my pain appropriately. And he didn't want to treat it, so. What happened is that her blood counts went down because her pain wasn't um, being well controlled and it was in the ER. So, you know, they switched shifts. So it was another doctor that came in and gave her pain medications and she felt better. So basically, this article was just saying how, unfortunately, this is a thing that's pretty common in in African-American women. And it's kind of like it it kind of was talking about how they feel that they're not being heard by their doctors. And they, and then they suffer because of that. I try to, I know we all have our own biases, implicit biases. And I try to not have those biases. And when, you know, some people that have chronic pain, sometimes some, cause you do know there are those people that are pain seekers and are seeking like pain medications. Right. And, but, mm-hmm. but this patient from this situation, like, when, you know, this is something serious, like we got to actually accurately treat it so you can help them. So it's just like basically like sometimes you're mm-hmm. you're in a rush and you're trying to do things and it's kind of like you don't really take the time to really listen to your patients sometimes. And I think it's mm-hmm. important that we talk about that and do that because and take a breath and as physicians, make sure that we try to really listen to our patients and try to treat them appropriately. What do you guys think?
3: Well, I mean, there's there's a, a slight, his, I mean, not slight, it's, it's actually pretty overt, but there's like a, a bias, um, you know, in medical school education, like back in mm-hmm. the day, there was actually a study that they had released that, you know, Black, you know, African Americans have a different pain tolerance and that they can handle higher amounts of pain than like the, I guess the regular, you know, person being non-Black or non-Hispanic or whatever, you know, that was mm-hmm. the basis for the study. So I, I think a lot of that kind of education and that um that thinking, that mentality has kind of permeated through a lot of the medical school classes. And mm-hmm. some people actually still come out of medical school, even now and now and uh today, you know, thinking that, oh, you know, they're they're black, you know, they're probably about, you know, they can, you know, take it, you know, they, they got a higher pain tolerance, you know, they'll be fine, you know, but that's 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 so erroneous in, in thought that, you know, we, we do not need to continue to think like that because we at the end of the day, we're all human. We we all and, you know, individually may handle pain differently. But at like what Dr. Chris said, you know, we have different um, pain tolerance and that should all be taken seriously. So because you're well, black. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Oh no 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 no! I was gonna say, I think that's one aspect of it, but there's there's multiple aspects that go into it, especially in the emergency room and what's and what you know certain doctors may perceive as like what a pain seeker looks like. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if this woman was maybe a white male, right, mm-hmm. with the same complaint, same exact chart. You know, there are some doctors who you know, because like you said, Chris, Chris, like doctors have to make a point to kind of like check your biases. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But there are doctors that don't do that. And if you happen to come across one of those doctors in the emergency room, maybe if you were a white male, they would have given you the pain medication, but because you're a black woman that raises a flag in their brain for whatever reason. And they're like, Oh, she might be pain seeking. Mm-hmm. So I think it, I think it's not just huh. the whole like, Oh, she's a black woman. She can take it. I think it also has to do with, you know, perceived biases. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: To with the, you know, because I feel like the sickle cell patients, um, tend to run into pain problems the most, right? They're always in crisis and all these things. And I think that, you know, sometimes physicians kind of get in their own way because they are thinking that, there are ways for you to decrease your crisis. And, and that may be true, but that doesn't matter in the moment. In the moment, they're in crisis. Like,
3: mm-hmm.
0: we can talk about all the things they can do. Are they hydrated? You know, are they well-rested? What Was the nutrition like? You know, do they have the hydroxyurea on? Like, it doesn't, at that point, it doesn't matter if those things exist or not. And so I think what happens is they become what we call frequent flyers. Mm-hmm. And some of them get into a, a, a cycle, right? Like, you know, I remember this one, um, girl that would come in and she had lost her job. And so she like, you know, her diet was not as good. So, you know, she was always hungry or eating sporadically, which means she's also drinking sporadically, unstable. And it's just enough to, it just unbalanced her. And so, you know, back to back to back to back, she'd be coming in. And so then people start, you know, then their biases fall and they start to question like, is this a real crisis or not? And that's where you get into trouble and particularly for black people and black women that come Mm -hmm. through the ED and they've had, you know, multiple crises. Um, I I think we see it, It's you know, we could probably survey a hundred of them and at least 95 would say there has been a time where I just knew that I was scared that I was not going to get pain medication for my condition. Like we've seen it in the OB floors. Mm -hmm. We've seen it in the ED We've seen it in lots of different places, and it's just like you know, there's got to be you know a better way to do it. Also, a problem to me, I think, is that the even though the ED docs are are equipped to treat acute care, they're not necessarily e- equipped to a treat to treat chronic acute care, right? That's a little mm-hmm. bit different. Mm-hmm. And depending on who you run into, you know, all they're thinking about is, well, how many times do how many times am I going to give out dilaudid in a week? And if mm-hmm. they've already crossed their threshold, and you happen to come in the day after their threshold is crossed, then they're legit. Like, oh, sucks for you. I ran out of Dilata yesterday, so you know,
2: in where you fit in. Right, and you know, all of these, all of these um, pain medications, they're controlled substances. So these go on our licenses. So that's another thing too. Like, you know, we don't want to sit here and treat and give and give you all of these uh, uh, medications, right? And then it's uh, and then we can get.
1: The look federal government on our behind looking like, like, look, you are, are, what, what are you this? doing? Right. What you doing? Well,
2: then, <laughs> exactly. And so you don't want that. But then at the same time too, like, you know, especially with six, I mean, it's appropriate, right? Like if they're in crisis, you got to do what you can to get them stabilizing crisis. And, but then they also need to follow up with their PC, PCP, follow up with their specialists, you know, to mm-hmm. control it over time. Right. And then also they, they can even, you know, If, if they follow up, we can have like um, protocols, like they can talk to the patient and be like, hey, if you're having pain, this is what you do. You take this medication or you, you know, go and do it that way. And so but that gets us back into
0: access to primary care. Right. You know, access to a primary care physician that treats mm-hmm. sickle cell. Right. Um, because like for instance, here in, in my state, like a lot of people, a lot of patients are on like these high deductible insurance plans. Mm-hmm. And so if you need to see a specialist, right. For your sickle cell, the, the clinic appointments for that are through the roof. Like they're right. very expensive. right? So it means that you're you're leaning on your primary care doctor to know how to treat sickle cell. And that's not necessarily the case. Like, er, you know, like sure, everybody studies sickle cell and everybody has a basic understanding. But until you get a, a collection of patients under your belt, where you're kind of, you know, you know, anticipating, you know, what may happen, oh, this standard combination of medications didn't work. So you know what? This is tending to be my, my next go-to until you had that your primary care physician may or may not immediately know exactly all the steps to take to get you back to baseline. And you got to have a a primary care physician, right? Mm-hmm. If you got unstable housing, Right. You move Mm on to the other side of town. Maybe you don't see that doctor anymore and you can't get over there because of your job or you're on the bus or you don't have transportation. Or if you change states, you know, people do that often. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if you just don't have the money to get in to see them. Right. We assume that, oh, you know, I think we make this assumption that, oh, of course you got access to health care. But some people make just enough money to end up in the marketplace and they got to buy buy that more expensive Medicaid Mm -hmm. and they can't all afford it. Right. So, you know, like we're talking about a lot of factors. And so the emergency room becomes like just the place you go and you wait until you're in complete crisis. Right. And so now your pain, Your pain is so high that we got to use all kind of medicines to get it back to baseline just to get you stable. And we're going to see you out the door. And the you know, the ED is really not the place to sort out your long term management of your social or your chronic conditions. But it's all you
2: got. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's very true. And it's hard, especially if you live in a state that's kind of like a red state versus a blue state, because mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to get Medicaid in a blue state than it is in red state. Like, when mm-hmm. I lived in New York, I, please, I know how to get Medicaid. You, you have to work, I could get it, right? But here, it where I live now, North Carolina, it's harder for the people to get Medicaid,
3: you know? Yeah, if you're yeah. a governor, I get that. yeah, governors that, like, voted to expand, like, the Medicaid, um, you know, it's it's more common in blue states than it is in red states. Like, that is... I mean, that's where medicine actually becomes political is, you know, trying to get, you know, access to the patients that need it. And then, you know, not having your legislators be on the same page as you is extremely frustrating. Um, But kind of going off of Amy Joe's point, like there are there are hospitals in Chicago that specialize in sickle cell care. But, you know, kind of echoing that point that you still need to get that primary care referral to see like the hematologist or the blood doctor. To get you on those medications to prevent the pain crisis in the first place is ideal. And then, if you do come into the ED, I mean, ideally, the idea is to you're you're there in the ED to make sure that you don't die. So if if they can at least do that, they're they're doing they're doing what they're they're trained to do. But you know, to prevent you from getting to that point in the first place, that is where your primary care doctor and your hematologist comes into play because. Without them, you know, it's you're going to be a frequent flyer. You're going to be back in the ED for the exact same thing until we can get that under control in an outpatient setting. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Another aspect I will add, just kind of like another factor here, is that when you go to the emergency room or when you're evaluated, period, objectively, like, classifying or, I guess, quantifying pain is very difficult. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very difficult for the doctor because – you tell me that you're in pain. I cannot prove that you're in pain, right? But you're telling me, I can ask you a pain scale. I'll say, hey, scale of one to 10, how are you feeling? If you say 10 out of 10, you know, some people tell you 10 out of 10 and they look a real relaxed. It's like, yes, yeah, a 10 out of 10. It's like, are you sure? It's 10 out of 10 is like writhing in pain on the floor. Are you sure? But, you know, aside from us asking you to give us a number, you we actually can't prove that you actually have the pain that you say you are. And now you're relying on whatever doctor that's seeing you to make the best decision for your care based on whatever pain they think that you have based on what you're telling them. And that's a lot of factors to kind of leave up to to the doctor, especially a doctor who might have biases. So I can understand how certain populations, especially anybody that's marginalized, who comes into emergency room complaining of pain in particular, even the OB floor, when they say they have pain, like, you know, it requires the provider to listen to you. And then sometimes that doesn't always resonate. So that's just an additional factor
2: that we didn't really talk about like Dr. Sunshine said like I can't really tell if you have pain I'm going off of what you're telling me certain conditions we know are painful like if you broke your foot yeah you're probably in a lot of pain so I would know to treat that but then if you have like certain other chronic conditions that have chronic pain and you're used to the pain like it's it's a little hard for us to judge so also Dr.
0: Chris you you know we we can anticipate the course of that pain right you right. break your foot we
2: know how long it takes for a bone to heal, right? And we know you should only be on certain medications for a certain amount of time,
0: right? We we know we have to right. avoid, we know we put on, but um, for particular, you know, sickle cell, um, what's the other was fibromyalgia, Myalgia. like mm-hmm. you know, um, like you know, like this, uh, like these chronic neu- neuropathic, you know, neuropathies, like mm-hmm. these, you know, these neuropathy pains and stuff like that. It has no pattern. You can't anticipate when it's gonna flare, when it's not gonna flare. Like you, you, there's nothing. I can't track it. You know like there's some labs I can do to give me an idea, but the labs don't necessarily tell me if I see this number, then your pain is going to be a eight out of 10. I've seen people mm-hmm. that have really horrible numbers when they run their labs in a sickle cell crisis. And they're just like, uh, oh, I really, you know, I kind of hurt. And then I've seen people that have better labs that are just like not coping well at all. So, you know, I'm, I mean, you know, I think we're all saying the same thing, but I, I agree um, that it's hard. There is a bias, um, and that's something that the healthcare system is always going to work on. But we are all individuals, is what mm-hmm. people really need to remember is that your healthcare team is a collection of people with different backgrounds, different cultures, different connections. We're not all the same color. We don't come from the same countries, and so biases are going to exist. And, you know, we'll fight that battle no differently than we're fighting the ever, ever chronic and ongoing battle, just biases in the society. And so to protect yourself as much as possible, we're trying to make sure people establish a primary care physician, like somebody needs to be able to tell your story, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you somebody needs to get you know a call to say okay such as is in the emergency room all right well, when they get out i need to adjust their medicines or hmm, let me go ahead and put their referral in because i really need them this time to go see hematology or i need them to you know get over here to see somebody your primary care doctor is responsible for that that's trying to direct traffic and really trying to anticipate your needs before the crisis hits so mm-hmm. finding a primary care doctor is becomes priority um for everyone mm-hmm. And I know that it takes a long time in some cities, but listen, you're going to have a crisis three months from now anyway. So if your appointment is is three months out, then at least the appointment is set. Like, you know, because I hear people say, well, I made an appointment but that was too far out, so I didn't keep it. What are you talking about? Right. You you've been having crisis or you've been having pain. Or you've been having chronic disease for for years. So whether your appointment is tomorrow or three months from now, you still need that appointment because you've got to establish care with someone so that we can get you some protections. Cosign.
2: yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I have another one, another topic I was going to talk about. So, um, there was also, actually, I heard about this from somebody else. I don't know. Somebody was telling me, Oh, did you hear about that? Um, famous um, baseball player, Hank Aaron, who died after he got the COVID vaccine. Oh yeah, I was,
3: right. I was waiting you know, for this.
2: <laughs> I was just like, what are you talking about? And they would tell me like, yeah, he got the vaccine and he died. I'm like, that can't be true, right? And so then I was looking at it and I'm like, wow, people actually really believe this. So there, there was an article and said, of course, that his death was not linked to having the COVID vaccine. Okay, just let's let's make it clear. <laughs> okay she's like a hard stop <laughs> yeah, it's like it was not um, so basically um, so the, uh, what happened was like um, and when I heard about this I was like hey Garen I didn't even know who he was so for people who didn't know <laughs> no, I, know, I, I didn't, really? didn't know who he I, was really? Dr. Chris oh I didn't I'm what? sorry oh I made the disclaimer like the about the bl-
3: famous African American I know baseball now. Player that ever lived.
2: <laughs> yes I know now <laughs>
1: <laughs> and i learned oh, you all should oh see my we're, we're treating, looking we're at her. Treating her we're treating her like uh right. y'all ever saw the sandlot in the sandlot when when he didn't know that <laughs> <laughs> like the great I know.
2: bambino i thought this was a judgment. i know i know,
0: I know. I know. Uh-huh. we did we judge you we for sure judged you i'm sorry i, I judged <laughs> you and
3: the cancer and the cancer comes out i'm telling you See, yeah, there we go. See? Oh
2: you right. hurt my shell. You see, my, my crab. My shell is not that hard, okay? <laughs> <laughs> the crab. Anyway, his famous oh baseball gosh. player, okay? Um <laughs> one of the greatest of all time. <laughs> He's an African American. An African American and um beat uh, the record, Babe, Babe Ruth's record of most home runs.
1: So are you Googling this right now? No, I had not right no, no. I knew. about. Oh, this. you researched it. Yes. You researched it. Oh, OK. I didn't <laughs> you, know. Know. you
0: know what? I appreciate you researching. It. You didn't know, but you went and found some good information. Right. And you. now, you know, and now, I know. you know,
2: exactly. Thank there you. you go. Go. Dr. Sunshine. I me mean,
3: my goodness.
2: I know. Right. She said don't want to judge me, but that's OK. <laughs> right.
3: Right. She's always
2: say, but I got
3: palm it. trees. I got palm we,
2: trees.
0: We are a judgy group today. We are a judgy group. Listen, people. You would think that this. uh, You know, people always like ask us, like, is this scripted? It's not. And (laughs) to and for uh, some transparency. We we've been talking for hours before we even started recording. So y'all, we have been hanging out for hours, literally hours before we got on here. And we still are still rolling, like with each other. It's been it's been that one of those nights.
1: Right. Amy Joe
2: was so funny. We're judgy today. We are.
0: <laughs> we, <need> to <laughs> we are. So we've been we judging are. each other
2: like all night long. So maybe you know, next, maybe next time we won't be so judgy. But anyway, so they were saying that um, him getting the vaccine uh, and then he died about like 14 days later. But part of the reason why he got the vaccine, him and a bunch of other prominent civil rights figures went to Morehouse School of Medicine to get the vaccine. And it's basically they wanted to really put confidence in the vaccine, especially for African-Americans, because there are a lot of African-Americans that don't want to get vaccinated. And the whole thing is that they're the ones that are dying two times more than white people Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like it was really they were really trying to put trust in the vaccine and then there were a lot of anti-vaxxers that saw oh he died after getting the vaccine and so they kind of were saying oh you know shouldn't get the vaccine and of course they did a medical examination and he died of natural causes I mean he was 86 years old yeah so things
3: I mean it's it kind of adds more fuel to, like, the anti-vaxxers right. argument that, you know, any vaccine you get is going to have some, like, extremely debilitating condition or death, you know. But, I mean, it you, you kind of have to go back to see, you know, with, like, biostatistics, causation, and association, and you can't really, you know, you can't link the cause of the vaccine to this death because, I, obviously, you waited for the medical examiner's report and it showed that he died from something completely unrelated to the vaccine itself. Right. So it's, it's kind of like, a, it's an ongoing battle us health professionals have to face when trying to combat like the myths that are associated with the vaccine and, you know, all the, 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 the stuff that kind of goes with it. But this is actually, this is actually one of the safest vaccines we have out right now. The side effects, I mean, they can, they can be a bothers like they can be bothersome, but they're not going to kill you. Is the main thing that we're trying to get across. And honestly, having COVID over getting vaccinated for COVID, I would choose the latter because working in the hospital, I've seen so many deaths from COVID. I really would not wish this on anyone. It is yes. it is an awful way to go out. And if you have the opportunity to get vaccinated to prevent this from getting infected from it then by all means like i i i'm all over it you know so yeah
0: and the fact that it's 94 95% effective like i don't think people realize that that's a that's a really good number most vaccines are not that effective so 94 95% and then with Johnson Johnson coming out which i think is now at, at about yeah. 80 percent or something like that like yeah. these are these are really high rates i do want to say one thing though cuz we kind of talk about people's hesitancy about vaccines i i do a lot of I've been doing lots of talks for my, my um, healthcare company um, to talk to uh, minorities, black people, black communities, rural and, you know, in the city about vaccines. So we kind of go through these and I want to make a point because I don't want to unfairly categorize these people. When we talk about people who don't want the vaccines, we immediately jump to the anti-vaxxers. And I think the anti-vaxxers are really select group. And that is not who we're talking about right now. There are lots of, black people in these communities that have concerns, that have hesitancy, that are, you know, you know, wanting, you know, questions answered. And they're not necessarily anti vaxxers. They they just have other concerns and curiosities about things. They've gotten vaccinated before. They vaccinated their children, you know. Like so, this isn't a oh, you either are in or you're an anti vaxxer The anti vaxxers are out there. We're gonna shelve them because they they're committed to their cause, right? So we we can't help them. But the people that we are trying to help are the black community that is saying, "I'm I, I'm confused. I don't know enough about the process to know how we got here so fast, or how safe can it be." Or how can I trust it? You know, is there a black version versus versus a white version? I've answered those questions in my town hall meetings. Um, Those are the people that we're talking about. And I just want people to know that you can be skeptical and concerned, right? In medicine, skepticism uh, is a, is a part of the learning process, right? Like you almost get trained to be a skeptic. Like, are you sure those labs are right? You know, you, you, you sure that you sure that report is, you know, what it is like, are you sure your interns, uh, physical exam is what you don't want to go and push on that belly yourself. So we learn how to be skeptics, you know, by nature. And so that, that is not, I'm not shaming anybody for being, you know, skeptical or having concerns, but I want people to know that you can be, um, unsure and still be committed to, protecting yourself and your family Mm -hmm. by getting the vaccine. And, and that is the part that gets hard, right? Because, you know, you know, black folks, like, as soon as they get a little shaky about it, they be like, "Oh, that must be the Lord's way of telling me no. Like, I can't get
2: back <laughs> you know. Like, no, that ain't the Lord. Like, stop blaming that on God. That ain't oh God. Ain't God. say that.
0: You know, like, you're <laughs> just a little nervous, right? Like, um, <laughs> like the doors of the church are open. And right. If you're nervous, this like, no, not this Sunday. You know, I ain't go this Sunday. I got a little scared. You know, I, I'm going to go next Sunday. Like, no, it's not that. Oh, um, oh my God. <laughs> but you know people but it happens like people get a little nervous they get concerned and they think well that must mean i'm not supposed to get it you know um i think that it this requires patience and education
2: yeah. I, and, and I totally agree with you with that. And I always try to educate my patients as much as I can. And the and the thing is that some people, what they're doing is they're listening to, oh, the uh, friend of my friend said they got that and they passed out and um, they had fever and they had to go to the, to the emergency room because they got that COVID vaccine. I don't want that. It's like you're listening to anecdotal information. Like some people, yeah, some people get some reactions, but uh, COVID's worse. Right. Mm-hmm. COVID's worse. And the whole worse. thing is like, even if you, you could get COVID and you could be okay, but you could potentially give it to somebody else and they don't do okay. So yeah. like, I know for myself, I would feel horrible if I knew that I gave it to somebody else and potential and they didn't make it.
3: But well, to know that this is a very safe vaccine and everybody in this podcast has taken the vaccine and we are still all here. So we're, we're doing fine.
1: I'm all right. Yeah, we're I'm good. I've <laughs> <laughs> been good.
0: Y'all, these are good topics. But um, we got to get to the matter at hand. So doctor
3: Nono, what you got for us today? Hey, so we're about to talk about that marijuana. Oh. <laughs> oh. No, they were making fun of me for how I pronounce Charlotte. Apparently it's Charlotte. Ah! so the and city love, yes and, and i love Carolina. how she took yes. time to make sure she pronounced it right Charlotte, hey, you know because i don't like being made fun of so i want to make sure i pronounce it right so and i told no no
1: if i, I told no no if she actually spent time in charlotte she wouldn't be calling it charlotte i'm like that's how i know you ain't been here. <laughs> charlotte because charlotte is something oh, man. love y'all though i love me i love me some charlotte i love north Carolina
3: period, but that's a topic for another day. All right, so the topic <laughs> again, so I've gotten a lot of like talks about this during residency and even as a hospitalist, um, people be asking, hey, why can't I get that marijuana card? And I'm like, oh, so there's so much we need to talk about before we do that. So um, so I have a couple of like sections to buy it up for this topic because it's very loaded, Um, but I feel like we can kind of start with just the basics. So marijuana, you know, what is it? Where can you get it? Like, why do people want it so bad? And you know, kind of go from there. Uh, so, marijuana. There's multiple names for it. Uh, you know, weed, dope, pot, cannabis. You know, reefer, perp, perp, chronic, chronic, the
1: green trees, reefer, the
3: Kush, bubble Kush. You know, all this stuff. <laughs> reefer. You know, weed.
1: Yo man, whenever a black person says reefer to me, I'm like, how old are you? you gotta be. <laughs> so like, much. that's like a that's like a 50 50 plus word. <laughs> I'm like, reefer? I thought that was really
3: recent. Really? No. Reefer?
1: No. <laughs> People who say reefer, they are they that's are definitely old-school. baby boomers. If you oh, say yes. if you say a reefer to me, you are a baby boomer. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah. I did not know that. Oh, y- y'all smoke, y'all young kids smoking that reefer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, it's so funny.
3: Just like that. <laughs> But either way, i like you mean weed. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I, this sounds like so much simpler to say. But either way, there's like there's marijuana. It's a plant grows out of the ground, and we just well a couple years ago, um, we found that there's actually some medicinal use for it. Um, however, there is two different components of the marijuana plant. So THC, which is the component that pretty much gets you high, is you know all the talk nowadays because now a lot of states are legalizing. Recreational use of marijuana for this purpose, however, the CBD or the cannabidi-
1: cannabinoid, yeah,
3: exactly, component of weed is not the mind the altering uh, component of weed, but it's essentially the part that we use for medicinal use. So it's simply used in people with like chronic pain and others, uh, a couple other uh, chronic conditions that we can use uh, weed for that can actually have some benefit if you qualify for it. So this kind of gets into our next topic of marijuana as medicine, how is it used, and why do people ask for it? So kind of before I kind of get into the nitty gritty, I kind of want to like open it up to the floor. Like what are some topics that your your patients had asked for weed and, you know, have you been able to like prescribe it to them or have you kind of had some reservations about it? we're going to have firm differences here because Mm -hmm. I live in California
1: and weed is everywhere. It's recreational. It's like, you can go down the street to these dispensaries are nicer than some boutique shops. Like I'm like, you walk in somewhere, you're like, Ooh, what is this? They're like, Oh, it's a dispensary. I'm like, is it? I'm like, this is so fancy. (laughs) Like everything (laughs) there's, I mean, so it's legalized completely here. Everybody here smokes weed to the point where when you're taking a history and you ask for illicit, Drugs. It's like not even. It's not even illicit. It's just. It's just everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So my life that I live is drastically different in my patient interactions than what your you guys maybe experience. Right, right. So
0: take a, a stark contrast mm-hmm. to I, uh, you know, South Carolina where it is illegal, like um you know in training like in Chicago when I ask people like you know you know do you smoke weed you know they'd be like oh yeah you know here's how much I smoke like it'd be very like matter of fact so that you can kind of like document your social history here when I'm asking like it throws it used to throw me off when I first got here because I'm like why won't y'all say how much weed you're smoking like we're just documenting (laughs) your history But, you know, I've got a couple of patients that have had their children taken because they tested positive Mm -hmm. for marijuana. So, you know, welcome to welcome to the red states. And so, you know, marijuana here is is very illegal, although we do have CBD shops. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you know, it's so it's hard. The conversations are sometimes hard. Like I've had patients in my in my room like, uh. And I'm like, okay, you know, do you drinking alcohol? Do you smoking cigarettes? You know, you know what else are you smoking? Now, they smell like I could roll them up and smoke them at that very moment. And <laughs> they will look me in my eye and be like, "No, nah, I don't smoke nothing." And I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who you think you' are talking to, but <laughs> let me help you out. Here, let me drop some diet. Let me let me lose. I might be cold switching, so let me help you out. <laughs> um, right I'm like maybe maybe I sound like I'm not down right like maybe I sound like I'm not you know you know like I you know I'm I'm here for you like I'm your doctor so I'm gonna ask you again how much weed you smoke again they be like
3: ah you know what I'm
0: saying I want you writing it down so they get very concerned like don't write it down don't put it in their chart so kids get taken still here in my state you know for marijuana mm-hmm. and I you know that's crazy because and in, you know, Chicago, like if you test positive for marijuana, even if you came in, you know, ready to deliver Okay. Um, we're keeping it moving. So it's hard here. So it's, it's a difficult conversation. So me and my patients are no longer talking about, um, weed from that standpoint.
2: Yeah. Well, it's kind of the same thing for me too. Cause I mean, it's illegal in North Carolina as well, but it's a little more, I guess where I practice, they're a little more liberal about it. They, I don't know if there have been like people been arrested for it necessarily, but um, my patients, they, they say that they do it. They don't have a problem saying it. they're like, Oh doc. Yeah. You know, I smoke, I smoke a little bit. I'm like, how much do you smoke? I mean, how many blunts do you use? And you know, so I just talked to them about it and they're like, they're like, Oh, you know, I do too. I'm like, all right, fine. And I just document it. So it's, Oh, it's, it's kind of this, it's a little bit more, I guess relaxed a little bit, but it's still illegal.
3: Um, still has that connotation that it's a, it's a dangerous drug. Um, but, you know, we're doing more research to see kind of the medicinal uses for it. And that's, you know, being, um, you know, taken care of, like, at a, at a very fast rate. Um, but, you know, here in Chicago, as, you know, most of our listeners are probably aware, you know, we approved, we were approved for recreational use, like, at the, I think at the beginning of quarantine, uh, so like in 2020, I think in January, like we had a lot of the recreational shops started opening up and i swear i think we sold out of everything for like a couple of weeks
2: <laughs> <Whatever>.
1: <laughs> no it was hard like people it, but what it brings on? in it brings in it brings in a ton of revenue yeah, it brings okay. in a lot but that's also why a lot of the red states aren't for it because it's it's an avenue of revenue that they haven't accounted for like they don't want to implement anything until they know how they can personally like manipulate it they're like oh we don't we're not touching that right now.
3: <laughs> you know, Chicago made a profit for the taxes they, they put on top of like rec- recreational marijuana, and like it, 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 they made a, a pretty hefty profit from you know weed sales from 2020. So, you know, essentially, we're doing pretty good. But you know, again, that's you know just a side note of this topic. So. But it does, it does change
1: the way that you operate your visit as a doctor, yeah. because I've had to change how I go about my visits, because I assume everyone that's coming in to see me already does marijuana, mm-hmm. and most of them do. So then you end up counseling about different things, yeah. you know, and you end up, it, it changes, it, it changes the layout of, of a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, which is probably going to be what the providers in Chicago, especially the people who do primary care, you know, you have to, you got to change the language of it because it's readily available. Everybody can do it. So it's a big change, but go ahead. No, no. I didn't mean to
3: interrupt you. No, no, girl. You just, you know, know, stole your rope. So essentially, so marijuana, there's multiple ways that people can, you know, take it or, you know, consume it. Um, So I think the most common probably would be smoking. So by inhalation um, via, you know, People call it joints, roaches, cigars, pipes. You know, you roll it up and smoke it. That's probably the most common way that people do it. Um, the other way are edibles. So this is kind of a little bit more varied in that we, you can't really account for how much THC is uh, present in an edible when you ingest it, and also the absorption for when you when the edible will take effect is very is extremely variable. And that's, that's another topic that we'll get into a little bit later. The other more, I think, I think the more like newer ways to take it would be like uh, what we call oils or concentrates. And these are, you know, pretty much taken by what we call dabbing. So it's a highly concentrated or potent form of the uh, THC component. And that you take that either, again, either by smoking or whatever. And that delivers a high amount of THC to your system in a very short amount of time. Um, that has its risks that we will talk about in a little in a little bit. So the next topic is pretty much so marijuana is medicine. You know, we we talk about it, we have it, you know, approved for medicinal use, but essentially, you know, how is it used or who qualifies for the medicinal use component of it? So I just kind of want to open that up again before I kind of get into the nitty-gritty of how patients have asked you to like get the medical marijuana card. Cause it, it's happened to all of us, but kind of how you guys have dealt with it. And what are some of the approved uses that you have had experiences with in your clinic? That means I got a default to y'all. Cause I don't have that problem. I, you know, uh, I, don't, we, really, we I don't really have, have
2: that. Um, but yeah, we can't do it. But then um, when, when, uh, when we were in residency, I did have one or two patients that did ask me about that. And I'll be like, mm, I can't, I can't do that for
0: you i don't i didn't know i have no i have filled out i have filled out a couple forms in residency Mm -hmm. um i think uh fiber i can't even remember it's so it's i'm losing the memory of it because it's been that long so i think i did uh a fibromyalgia i did one for fibromyalgia Mm -hmm. and i did one for maybe a cancer patient if i remember Mm -hmm. right i've only done it twice but the problem was is that um what people have to know is that as your physician when I was in when I was in Illinois as your physician, I was just signing off to confirm diagnosis and say yes, you have the diagnosis that meets the qualifications per the state of Illinois mm-hmm. to apply for a card. But the whole process at that time and I don't know how how it's changed over the years, it was still months even after they turned in the card that they could get any that they would actually get through the whole system to get their card back. So, as your doctor even in states where you know getting a medical marijuana card is legal most of the doctors are just confirming your your diagnosis mm-hmm. you still have got to go back to your state your your state system and go through their process. So it isn't like I can write you a letter and then you could kind of take your letter to the, you know, the store and be like, let me get them. Let me get them turtles. Right. Like it doesn't work like that. <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. And it's not how it works. We don't write for the actual marijuana. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't put a prescription. I've never written a prescription for yeah. marijuana. Doctors don't do that mm-hmm. in, in the states where at least in state of Illinois. We just say, yes, you do meet the qualifications and you can take that form and then go through the state system to f- try to figure out how to get your card.
3: So they're, they're actually a very, so Amy Jo kind of highlighted it a little bit, but there are actually, you know, very few, actually per the state of Illinois, there's actually a couple of conditions that will qualify you for the medical uh, marijuana card, but there, there are only a very few like FDA approved medications, you know, for that purpose. And most of them are actually used for patients dealing with like nausea or, um, uh, what we call anorexia, so un, uh, not really having an appetite in cancer. And those medications are uh, Marinol and Sesamate. Um And these are typically taken in a pill form, essentially for what I just said. So treatment of nausea and patients undergoing chemotherapy and also for an appetite uh, stimulant. Because in cancer, when you're undergoing treatment, you have like a very low appetite. And so you know, as we all know, marijuana causes you to get the munchies. So this is what they're kind of using that side effect of marijuana for is to increase um, the appetite in people that are undergoing cancer treatment. Um, there are a lot of clinical trials, however, um, with dealing with like that side effect of marijuana. But there's, these aren't being done in other countries. So they're already approved for this use in like the UK and Canada and a couple other countries in Europe. Uh, One of them is uh, Satibex, which is a mouth spray, um, which is actually used to treat spasticity and neuropathic pain for multiple sclerosis. Um, Because marijuana also has a a dual use for people that have neuropathic pain, and that it has been shown to be actually useful in that component, uh, people that uh, deal with it. Uh, The other uh, treatment is called, I'm going to butcher this name, just y'all just forgive me. So it's called EpiDelix which is a CBD-based liquid medication, which is actually used for two forms of childhood epilepsy. Uh, one of them is called Dravet syndrome and the other is called Lennox-Guestal uh, syndrome. Um, and I'm sure you've probably seen like a YouTube video or like some type of uh, CNN story about a uh, mom that's gone to like every other neurologist and has tried every other medication or, you know, to try and like control the childhood seizures. And these are seizures that occur like, a couple hundred seizures, like every hour. Um, So it's like very hard to control epilepsy. And they have actually shown that some of these marijuana medications can actually help abate that or actually get rid of those seizures and have, you know, give the chance for a child to have a normal life. So these are all research uh, trials that are ongoing and we're still waiting for like the more definitive uh, results to come out. But, you know, the, the clinical trials that we've seen so far have been very promising. So that's, that's a plus with, with the weed, the reefer. So, yeah.
2: Well, I have prescribed <laughs> Marinol. I've done that. Okay. i prescribed that one for a cancer patient. And I think it was because I had, because I was with Dr. Swader. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they all know. <laughs> Shout out to T. We need to, we need to send them this podcast. I should actually send this to them. But, um, Yeah.
1: I would not be surprised if he thoroughly enjoyed this. So I, you know, I might actually send it to him. He'll be like, oh, it's so refreshing.
3: Oh my God. <laughs> all right. I will, I will send this uh, mm-hmm. to to like all the attending county people and see what they say. All right. Mm-hmm. So, so that's not to say, so this is a huge argument that we have every year with marijuana. So they're saying like, even though marijuana is legal, that means it's completely safe. Right. Obviously, that is not the case. Um, I've admitted many people who've uh, smoked a crap ton of marijuana they, that they weren't supposed to, and they are actually hospitalized for it. So, I kind of want to hear your guys' experiences, like with dealing with that, or what are, what are some of the health risks that you've experienced with people that smoke like a crap ton of marijuana? Oh, that's that hyperemesis syndrome yeah cyclic vomiting
2: syndrome Mm -hmm. is the it's the most common a
0: really common one um but let me say and because i believe in being fair out of my patients that smoke marijuana most of them are not having any side effects except for some munchies right (laughs) but right so most of them are doing fine on it but um i have you know the people who who have had side effects to it um, well, the people who have had cyclic vomiting syndrome seem to also be heavy users of marijuana. Mm-hmm. Yep, I just I just had one recently, and was like, yeah, this might be a problem. And it's gotten better mm-hmm. since he cut down.
2: Yeah, while I was um, in the hospital, there was a there was somebody who was admitted for that for that hyperemesis syndrome, and well, he apparently this person smoked like four times a day. And we were trying to figure out, like, wow, you have a job and you could do all that. Wow. Yeah. So he <laughs> he he was very heavily committed in how much he would smoke. Y'all, y'all are
1: going to think that I am crazy. <laughs> but since I have been out here in California, I have not seen it at all. Yeah. There's not like this, this like, I don't know. The the views on cannabis period here in California is just different. Like people don't feel the urge to like. Smoke alike. Like I saw it all the time. Like not all the time, but like I definitely saw it more often when I was in Illinois. And then, you know, I hear of people getting in other states, but in California, I actually don't see it that often. Mm-hmm. It's almost like normalized. It's just part of their day and they don't do it in excess. It's literally just like, it's kind of like the thing where like, you've been exposed to it. It's commonplace. There's nothing really like, oh, there's no awe factor around it. It's just like either it's part of your day or it's not. And people don't judge either way. It's like, cool, you do you. And it's not like this like, oh, I'm out with my friends. We're doing something that's illegal. We're doing something we got to keep under the table. Like, oh, we got to hit this now. And it's There's no like, there's none of that around it. So I actually have seen it all, a lot less. Here. Well, I think because it's
2: kind of like that, it's kind of like normalized that that's probably the reason why you don't see it. Like when whenever mm-hmm. you say to someone, they can't do it. They want to do it more, you know? But then when they can, they're like, mm-hmm. okay. They just do it whenever they want and they don't use it in excess. I think it really all depends on how you use it and how it affects your life.
1: And another thing that y'all gonna think I'm crazy cause I'm showing y'all a whole nother world. So I'm, I, want you to walk with, I want y'all to walk with, La La walk with me into La La Land. I'm giving y'all Willy Wonka music. So I want y'all to walk into the California. Ooh. Okay, this is how we're living, okay? Oh my God. So there's dispensaries everywhere and there are tons of products. On every product, they let you know the CBD amount, the THC amount. And then the person working in the dispensary usually knows everything about all of these products. And if let's say, for example, you go to purchase something and the guy at the cash register is like, hey, have you smoked this before? Have you used this before? Whatever. And if you say no, they'll be like, well, just so you know, the amount that you're buying, this is a high amount. Like, are you a normal smoke? So they like do a lot of counseling at the dispensary, which I was shocked by Hmm. because they opened up one right down the street from my place. And I'm like, I'm new to California. Let me go check this out. Let me go see what they do. So I'm kind of like ear hustling. I'm like, what are they talking about? What are they talking about? Like, what, how does this work? <laughs> so then like, yeah, cause you know, it's just brand new to me. I'm like, man, you just walk in here, you show your ID. As long as you're over 21, they're like, you good. You just go in here. You just buy whatever you want. It's crazy. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. Um, But yeah, they do lots of counseling at the desk. They're like, hey, you know, if you're not really a smoker, you don't really do this often. The amount that you're buying, these are high doses. You want to switch to this. one want to try this one first. This one's lower. That might be better for you. You know, do you want indica? Do you want sativa? They sit here counseling you on what you have and how it'll work for you. Like, oh, are you creative? Are you looking for an upper or a downer? And I'm like, this is a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that a lot of the counseling happens there. And then I just counsel more when they come in my office. But it's a whole nother world. Okay, that's
3: it. Y'all can leave what they want to
1: <laughs> no,
3: I, I, it's whole, I. It's
1: a whole new place out here.
3: I agree. Like, I feel like, you know, a lot more counseling needs to occur. I think in Illinois, um, it's more of like you. So essentially with like quarantine, like since we opened up in like 2020, a lot of people weren't going in like to the stores. You can't spend a lot of time in there getting that counseling. So you kind of order what you want online and just go in and pick it up. So we kind of like miss out on that counseling aspect that Dr. Sunshine was uh, was clarifying on, which actually would be very helpful for a lot of the kind of novice people coming in to like get, you know, these weed products and like being very naive to like the effects. And the fact that, you know, a lot of them can be kind of severe because I have admitted a lot of people to the hospital with like, you know, so hyperemesis is essentially when you throw up a lot and you just can't stop um, and weed can cause that. I've admitted a lot of people with that condition and you can actually end up in the ICU with that because when you throw up, you're not getting a lot of those electrolytes into your system and we have to replete those over time and we have to monitor you closely because if we go overboard or if we undershoot it, you know, some issues can occur. So that's why you're in the hospital while you're getting all those, you know, potassium and sodium, chloride, all that stuff and IVs to make sure that you're doing okay, you know, while you're getting it. So I think like the counseling aspect that they're doing in Cali needs to translate to everyone in the U.S. as like more states legalize it because a lot of these people need it. And, you know, it's kind of like the college freshman effect that, oh, you go in like, oh, my God, I can buy all this stuff. Like, let me just go go ham and let's see what happens. Nah. Nah. No, we don't. We don't want.
1: Yeah, because I'll ask you. They're like, "Are are you buying this for multiple people, or is this all for you? Are you going to do this all tonight? Okay, so just so you know,
3: but, <laughs> right? We need that's that that's so disclaimer. awesome,
0: right? Because I would not, you know, until the until the dispensaries opened up, and we kind of Doctor Sunshine. I've I heard this conversation before, and heard other people talk about it. I don't think I even realized that there was an upper and lower version of marijuana, right? I thought marijuana did the same thing, right? Like mm-hmm. zoned you out and gave you the munchies. Like that's what I thought it did. <laughs> and so, you know, now that, you know, we've got these dispensaries and they it's so specialized. I'm like, "Wow, like marijuana is a uh, quite the
3: uh flexible little uh drug of choice." There is, but I mean, again, like kind of like highlighted earlier is that marijuana even though it's kind of like tooted as this like benign drug it's not so there there are some health risks with using marijuana a lot and in heavy amounts um so i think the the stats that i pulled that i think that we have is like 37.6 million people in the u.s currently use recreational and medicine medicinal marijuana i'm sure that number is a lot higher people just ain't reporting it so it's, it's whatever um, well, they wouldn't if they're in a red state and they could
1: be uh, tracked. Right. It. So I wouldn't report I wouldn't it, report it. <laughs> I wouldn't either.
2: Exactly. No,
0: right. That's not that? your business. I don't
2: got That's that. Right. Right. My patients would be like, why? Why you want to
0: You going to write it down? <laughs> you going to write it down? If you going to write it down, no, I ain't telling you nothing. I'd be like, okay, okay I won't put
1: I won't it, it down. Like, hey, doc. Hey, doc. You got you to gotta mind the business that pays you, doc. We <laughs> right. <to have> questions.
3: <laughs> so, per the consensus in this podcast, it's probably triple that amount, but we're not going to go there. So either way. So, you know, uh, marijuana does have some addictive potential. Um, There is. So this is not your mom or dad's like reefer or pot. Like there actually is more potent strains of marijuana out there that are being continually produced. And it does have a slightly higher addictive potential than what you saw probably back in the 60s and 70s when that was like the big movement going on. So, you know, it's when you start kind of seeing people or, you know, you can actually observe this in your own friend group, but when it starts to become a problem is essentially when you start seeing people give up like important activities, like hanging out with family or friends, or you start noticing issues at like work or school and they're kind of putting off important engagements just to the fact that they just want to smoke weed. You know that's that's kind of where we kind of you know start drawing a line and we start asking questions to see, okay, you know, is this becoming like a very important part of your life and do we need to intervene, or you know, kind of kind of what is going on there? So that's that's kind of where we start asking questions like, you know, what is going on? This is, I mean, obviously for anyone that has smoked weed or eaten it or done whatever with it, it is no surprise that weed directly affects your brain. So. When you take it, you know, you're, you know, zoned out, you can be lying on the couch for hours, just not having a care in the world, but we does directly affect your brain. And this is like usually in the executive functions of your brain, specifically memory, learning, attention, decision-making, coordinations, emotions, and reaction time. So, you know, in the short term, you know, if you took like a particularly like heavy bong, or if you, you know, ate a really like, concentrated edible, you may notice that you may have no recollection of that event, you know, the next day. So that is the short-term effects of weed that can affect your attention, your memory, and your learning. So long-term effects is something that we're still studying, but this is typically why we don't recommend, you know, you continue to smoke weed in pregnancy. We actually recommend that you stop it completely because we still don't know the effects that this would have on babies because weed, the THC component, is in your breast milk. Mm-hmm. And this can be passed on to babies. So this is why we do not recommend to for you to continue smoking weed in pregnancy because we don't know the effect this would have on your baby's development. And, you know, that's something that we still need to study further. The other two um, issues I had. So with health risks with marijuana. So obviously if you smoke weed, it's anything that you smoke or inhale, it's going to have an impact on your lung health. So, you know, if you're doing joints, pipes, bongs, bulls, blunts, roaches, whatever, smoking it in any form will damage the fine lung tissue and lead to scarring and damage of those blood vessels and this can increase your risk of bronchitis, so you know what we call that smoker's cough, you can get that with weed and it can also increase your phlegm production that you typically see in heavy smokers but Usually if you stop smoking or, you know, decrease your amount, you can typically see these symptoms re- resolve. So that's usually what we recommend in clinic. And then the last thing that I have for this kind of category. So smoking weed heavily. So I'm talking about daily and in heavy doses can lead and you know, to disorientation. And also in certain folks, it's not everybody, but in certain folks, we have uh, found out that this can actually lead to higher amounts of anxiety and paranoia. So it is no no secret in the you know healthcare profession that we have seen people that can develop temporary psychosis so that be like hallucinations and paranoia and also longer lasting mental disorders like schizophrenia in this uh, group that smokes a lot and very often so usually you know more research is needed to see if this is like a what we call a casual relationship or an association but typically we you know we don't we don't stress or we don't recommend that you smoke in the heavy and high amounts that we sometimes see people doing because that can kind of unmask these disorders and that can lead to a lot of uh, problems later on down the line.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's where the so, you know, whole mental health thing, yeah. the whole mental health thing comes into play because, um, you know, if THC increases, well, THC could exacerbate or, uh, you know, expose earlier you know, psychosis, you may have a psychotic break, right? I need you to have known that schizophrenia was running in your family mm-hmm. or that you had a, a major depressive disorder with psychosis, you know, with mania, something like that. And most time people don't know. I remember seeing a, a kid in the ED and he was in a complete psychotic break. Um, And then, you know, as, you know, as he, as the family that bring him into the emergency room, they were discussing that, you know, dad, Also, you know, had mental health. And I'm thinking like, man, this kid didn't know. Maybe he wouldn't have smoked weed. I mean, maybe he would have, but maybe at least if he had known like, okay, this medicine is going to increase the risk that I'm going to, you know, expose something potential. But, you know, it was, man, to watch that kiddo. And he was, I mean, done, like just complete psychotic break, like completely checked out. You know, we were just waiting to transfer him to a psych hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I feel like, you know, mental health in the black community becomes, you know, again, you know, a big discussion because if you don't know, Mm -hmm. you're going to mess around and expose something that you weren't and all you trying to do is smoke a few
1: blunts. Um, because the majority of my population is smoking weed across the board, I have a rule of thumb that, um, when they come into my office, if I know someone is a marijuana smoker and they are pregnant, if they are a young patient or if they um, have a psych disorder, I definitely talk to them about it. Those are like my three main highlighted things. Um, and by and I'm saying pregnant as in like any portion, any portion of the pregnancy. So if you're trying to conceive, if you are actively pregnant, if, you're ha- if you had the baby and you're breastfeeding, the whole maternal health. Um, those are the kind of the three that I keep in my mind all the time. And then as I do the physicals and I get more about how much they're smoking, I might counsel on the amount as well. Um, but that's something that I've incorporated into each of my visits, every physical across the board because it's so common here. Um, but in particular in terms of smoking during pregnancy, Um, the concern is that one, it increases your risk for preterm labor. So you might end up having a baby earlier than you're supposed to. It also increases the risk of having smaller babies. So that's a big thing that needs to be brought up. And it also increases the risk of having um, changes in like the cognitive function of the newborn when the newborn is born. So those are main things I highlight to patients who are trying to conceive. And I know that they already smoke a good amount of marijuana in order to kind of convince them like, Hey, you know, now you have to think about you and a potential baby. We really need to start weaning off, cutting down. And once I mentioned those things, because those are shown in studies, a lot of which are animal studies are trying to do more studies on humans, but that's like, and even ACOG has that ACOG has like a really nice poster that you can print out. Literally, if you type in pregnancy, marijuana, ACOG, which is like, you know, the gynae, their hub, It'll come up. And I printed it out for my patients. I'm like, this is what you need. (laughs) (laughs) Here you go. Boom.
3: So I think, um, so that's an awesome point, Dr. Sunshine. I'm I'm glad you kind of highlighted on that. Well, Dr. Uh, Amy Jo actually just said, so, you know, when you have patients coming into the ER that just seem like really just out of it. So I'm talking about like kicking and flailing at like, you know, the staff and like, you know, you got to put them in restraints and just, you know, all that mess. So there's actually a component of, um, you know, like a strain of weed that's out there that's called K2 and Spice. So this is what this is not actual like the marijuana that you grows out of the ground. Okay. This is a Girl. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so this is the synthetic uh, cannaboy that we actually encounter a lot in, um, you know, in our profession. And that usually the only way they present is usually they come into the ER and they are just batshit crazy. So I'm talking about <laughs> just, straight up, just straight up, just acting a fool, you know, and that's just like, they are, everybody is a threat. They are like kicking and punching and just very, just very dangerous. And, you know, K2, Spice, like these are not from marijuana, but they do bind to the same receptors in your body, um, you know, that the THC does, you know, in the native plant. However, these have a lot more powerful effects than the native plant and can cause like unpredictable life threatening events. So this is more like nausea, anxiety, paranoia, like brain swelling, seizures, hallucinations, increased aggression, heart palpitations and chest pain. So if you have a friend that took, you know, K2 spice or whatever, or got something from a gas station or some unknown wee man, you know, and they start acting like this. And you need to bring their butt into the ER because this this is a life threatening emergency. So yeah. I just want to like, cause like that's just not to say that you no, know, not all weed is benign. There are some variants out there that can cause life threatening events, and we want to make sure that the public knows about it because you know like this the same argument that like no, now weed is legal, it's safe, you know, blah blah blah, whatever. Yeah, we have the same issue with alcohol. Yo, I had someone come in yellow as a highlighter with his belly out, you know, a him belly out to like uh, eight pregnant, eight, uh, eight month pregnant uterus, just full of fluid, you know, and this is what alcohol use can do to you. And we already talked about this in the last episode, but this is not just to say that just because something is legal does not mean that it's completely safe. So this is why Mm -hmm. you have us to kind of tell you. You know that kind of the risk and the the issues that we have with like excessive use of it, and also by doing your own research, you can see that heavy use can lead to these detrimental effects. So that's what you know, essentially, why we're here to tell you about those effects before they you know come into play.
0: Hey, do y'all remember when um uh, they were cutting uh, weed with uh, warfarin? Oh, oh my, my God! God.
2: And, oh, I don't remember that. Yo, yes, they were wrong. cutting
0: weed with uh, a and uh. For, for, for,
1: for the listeners, Amy Joe's about to tell y'all some crazy stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so in the state oh. of Illinois, man, somebody had dropped off some bad batches of weed, and so they had been cutting it with uh, a I don't think uh, I don't think Illinois was the only place, but we were residents at the time, and so everybody who was smoking this weed was coming in and essentially, um, you know, bleeding had like just bleeding, right? Spontaneously (laughs) bleeding. bleeding.
1: Like crazy.
0: And so we were literally out. We were, we were out of, um, uh, what's the name? Um, of vitamin K.
1: Yeah. We were
0: literally out of vitamin K in, in the state because we were running low because so many people were smoking this weed and everything. And I remember we had that young, I I don't know how you, you know, Dr. Chris, you might not have been on service. You know, we all end up following each other on service at that time. And like, I mean, this guy was in there and he, you know, his, his INR was like ridiculous, like 15 or something crazy. And we were out of vitamin K. And so we were like trying to like give it to him in, in, in doses. And we were like so concerned that he was going to spontaneously bleed. Like we had him so scared. We were like, yo, listen here. Like just sit in the bed. Like just don't move. Right. Like don't, you know, don't knock, don't knock your knee. Like don't stub your toe. Like nothing. Like you can just bleed out. And so um, he was like, yo, somebody called my crew. Like it was like five of us smoking. And so like he was like calling his friends and like letting them know like what had happened. But, um, you know, it's just crazy. one more example of like, hey, listen, uh, you know, proceed with caution. Uh, weed mm-hmm. is weed is cool. But, you know, we're also I also appreciate that people are, are mixing their weeds. Right. Some is coming from dispensary. Some is coming from the good old weed man. Listen, the weed man, hey, shout out to the weed man for all the people that are smoking weed. You know, I don't want to miss out on you, right? You've been consistent in your distribution. And so our patients are are still using you as their primary source because your taxes are much lower. Um <laughs> But, you know, you just you don't know necessarily what you get. And, and you know, nobody was checking the batches to be like, oh, you know, we probably can't sell this one this week because, you know, it's it's damaged. We're going to send it back to the manufacturer. That doesn't happen with, you know, when you purchase it on the streets. So, yeah, I just remember that. And it was like crazy because we thought everybody was going to bleed out. that was smoking weed during that time.
3: So you, you can't only smoke weed. You can also eat it. And edibles are the topic of the day because. You know, there is THC in those in edibles that you can buy like at the dispensary and all that. But the issue with edibles is that you don't know how much you're ingesting until you ingest too much.
2: Mm -hmm. And,
3: you know, a lot of people make the rookie mistake of that. Oh, I didn't feel anything after like 10, 15 minutes. Let me just take another one and let me take another one, you know. And now we're like half an hour to an hour out and you can't move on the couch because you took too many gummies. So, <laughs> so or you
0: <laughs> and you need to be, you
3: know. <laughs> so the issue is that edibles.
1: This is really happening. It
3: they're really ha-
1: Y'all, how did you not see this?
3: So edibles can actually range in the time that they take for their full effect from thirty minutes to two hours. So unfortunately, this can actually lead to a lot of issues with accidental poisoning or severe injury. And the other issue with edibles is that, you know, they're made to look like candy. So adults love it. They're like, oh, you know, this is nostalgia, blah, blah, blah. Let me, like, take a couple candies and, like, see how I feel. The issue is that we have a lot of cases of kids who, you know, who see these edibles as candy and they'll end up accidentally ingesting it. And, you know, that's, that's what we get a lot of the calls to the Toxicon Center for is that kids who ingested, like, a 25 milligram, like, edible, and now they're like wigging out mm-hmm. and their parents don't know what to do. So, so, just kind of disclaimer, if your kid does accidentally get into your stash of gummies, know that you can <laughs> always contact your local health department, you know, like 911, or the Poison Control Center, which is 1-800-222-1222. I memorized that number because I worked at Toxicon for a couple of years. So, um, just make sure you commit that number to memory. Other than that, That is all I got for weed. So be safe, be (laughs) responsible, and don't take too much or you'll end up coming to see me or you're going to the ER for something else and we don't want that. So, yeah.
2: And it's like you might as well just say no to drugs, people. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I know. Say no.
2: I was just, just gonna say, say no that. to
1: listen, drugs. You know what? <laughs> to be honest, if, if we took out all the rest of what we have said and we only listened to everything Dr. Nono right. just said, I'm like, I, I feel I feel like she's trying to push you in a certain direction. I'm like, I don't feel like no, 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 no spent like maybe 15 seconds on the pros. And then she's like, "But let me tell you why
2: you should not." I know, right? I just feel like just say no, y'all. Just, just say no to drugs. No, I'm just trying
3: to like tell people that you know, you know, because that's the issue we have with alcohol. Like, people go out here like acting a fool, like drinking like bottles and upon bottles of alcohol, and they end up with like you know multi organ failure, liver failure, needing a transplant because they think alcohol is like a benign drug, and that's not the case. And weed, weed has its benefits. Alcohol does not, you know, so we, we, we drink it to feel good and to like go out to parties and like get that kind of sense, you know, the exhilaration from it. Um, But weed actually has some medicinal benefits, but some people kind of like overlook that and they only uh, kind of only focus on the recreational part of it. So I'm just trying to say that, you know, it does have its benefits, but it also does have its risk, and we're all trying to like we'll let you all know that you know those risks are out there, and you know we want you to be well informed about it before you have to come see me or somebody else that's not in my department. I'm sorry, guys, this is totally unrelated. But while we were talking about
2: weed, the only thing I had in my head was the Mary Jane song.
3: Mary Jane.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm because love love Mary Mary you know what's about to happen we're gonna get some emails <laughs> and they're gonna be like well why didn't you talk about xyz so i i think in fairness we do have to say that you know there's for every you know every um caution that dr no no is is trying to throw out there which is legit Um, there also have been, you know, circumstances where people have had, you know, seizure disorders, Mm -hmm. tremors, like movement disorders, chronic pain, you know, uh, you know, poor appetite, failure to thrive and all those things. And, um, marijuana has been a good antidote to some of those. And so I don't, I just, I don't want to leave without people understanding that we're not anti-weed We're not anti weed doctors. Uh, Not at all. In any way we can legally uh, make it happen for you, we're more than happy to do so. Um, But, you know, we also talk to patients, you know, real time in the trenches. And so we know that uh, even before marijuana became legal, everybody was finding a way to work around it. And some of y'all were doing it responsibly and it wasn't giving you any problems as great. And then we got the select few that's having some real issues. And so we do want people to be safe in your, uh, drugs of choice, whether that be sugar or alcohol or marijuana, <laughs> or, you know, like, I mean, we can pick <laughs> them all. Right. So, you know, I, you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll even the playing field to say that, you know, everybody's got, everybody's got a vice.
1: Thank you. Thank you for bringing some balance to that. I just, yeah,
2: everybody well, got well. advice and you just got to use in moderation. Like they say in the commercials with alcohol. Yeah. Mary J. <laughs> I don't know the song. I'm gonna hit y'all sorry. with these
1: questions. Are we ready for are we ready for it's questions? Question. Anybody else got any uh Wait, you know, anybody else wanna drop
3: some knowledge? No, anybody
1: t- else want to drop some knowledge? Unrelated.
3: Who sings the Mary Jane song? I'm sorry.
1: Whoa, well, we're gonna take that out. What is this? One minute, one hour. Wow, no,
3: leave we, it, leave it why? in so we can judge we're her, since we all being today. judgy anyway.
1: <laughs> oh, since we're being judgy today, oh my and the, gosh. the listeners the listeners should know that we have this problem frequently with <laughs> no no. This is not a first <laughs> offense. This is not a first offense for Nono. Yo, stop. Who's oh, saying Where she's God. asking questions that she should know the answer to.
3: Oh, it's just revoke my black heart. It's been taken away like 10 times by now.
1: It's Rick James. Bitch. Oh, Rick it's James. James. <laughs>
3: yes. <laughs> my bad. all right now i know now i
1: know right she stay
0: raw and unedited right like so here we go
1: right no 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 stay giving us a reason to oh my god anyway so like i said i'm gonna hit y'all with these questions sheesh so what's gonna be refreshing about this is that i actually got two questions that are things that we actually haven't even talked about on the show yet and they both and they both were um refer to peds like pediatrics with the kiddos so and we haven't actually done a pediatrics episode yet. So the first question is Hello, chocolate MDs. Hey, girl. Hey. Um, I was wondering if you ladies can do an episode or two about kids. I think you ladies also see pediatrics, right? Mm-hmm. The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. This is me, Sunshine, answering this woman. Like, yes, we do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, any chance you can do an episode about what new moms should expect when their kids enter each stage? of life. So toddler, then school age, and then teenage years and beyond. Can you guys consider this for future episodes? Please let me know your thoughts. Thanks.
0: Yes, absolutely. I don't think those going to all be in one episode, but because because they I each agree. have very um, specific questions, concerns, um, milestone markers. Mm-hmm. Some of them have surveys need to be answered, you know, depending on their age. Are we screening you for autism? Are we screening you for developmental you know delays or challenges but yeah absolutely we can we can um give you the the family medicine primary care pediatric version
1: absolutely awesome yes. because i got this question personally i know that she has like a like around like a 1 year old so and she was telling me she's like you know i've heard about the terrible twos but i don't know what to expect and all i have are these mommy blogs to to, to read about <laughs> And she's like, I'm always wondering if my kid is healthy. Is my kid doing the right thing? Now, mind you, of course, you should always ask your doctor and take your kid to their mm-hmm. well visits. Like that's, you know, yeah. that's something that hopefully can answer a lot of your questions, especially for the new moms. They don't know what to expect.
2: Yeah. And then each yeah. each age, there's different vaccine requirements as well and educating about vaccines because there are some people that don't want get, to get their kids vaccinated. So to address mm-hmm. those things as well.
1: So the answer, listener, is yes. We will definitely consider doing some peds-focused topics because I actually don't think we've done yeah. it yet, and we do see pediatrics, so she gave us homework. All right. So the second question I have here is, hello, chocolate MDs. Um, If you ladies have any experience in the realm of children, I would love to see if you could answer my question. And also, again, yes, we do see children. <laughs> Given the pandemic and schooling from home, I am concerned about my child's screen time. They spend hours looking at the computer for school, and then they use the iPad for educational games, and then they watch TV or YouTube leisurely. (laughs) Is this something that I should be concerned about? Are there ways to engage them but keep them safe from COVID? And then she wrote like a little caveat here about like possibly taking them to the playgrounds but being paranoid and having to wipe everything down. But she's basically asking, um, should she be concerned about the screen time and what are some options you can consider? I think her kids are five and seven.
3: Yeah, did she, like, say where, like, what state she's coming from? Because I feel like the... Mm -mm. No? Okay. Because, I mean, I know in some of the states... Well, no, they're losing some of their requirements. Like, I mean, I know in Chicago, they, like, mandated, like, the kids to go back to school like, last week. So, you know, in some places, like, the screen time issue may not be an issue now, because now they're mandating kids to go back to school. Mm -hmm. Um, But in some states where that's still, like, you know, they have to... The, the case rates are still high and they still have to do like the homeschool, the zoom school that may, you know, still be an issue. So,
1: so I want to give a quick shout out to, Oh, sorry, Amy Joe. I'm gonna give a quick shout out to Dr. Donaldson. Cause she might be listening. Hey, so, Dr. Donaldson, I am giving you a personal shout out on this because I sat in on one of the best counseling sessions that I've ever seen Dr. Donaldson give to a mom and her child when we were evaluating them for a well-child visit. So because this child, I think the kid was around like six or seven, the kid spent so much time on the iPad and just like pointing at stuff and clicking on things that when we were trying to get the kid to draw a circle or a square or a cross, they couldn't do it. So like their their fine movements of their hand were like really behind by like more than a year. So then Dr. Donaldson was like, you know, are you, are you writing? Are you drawing? Do they give them crayons? Like, are you having them work these muscles? And the mom was like, no. Well, she's like, you know, this generation- because they're always giving an iPad because the parents are like, You're making too much noise, here's an iPad. Like shh, like it's just it's
3: just <laughs> right. Quiet. It's, 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 it's,
1: Yeah, exactly. I it's so iPad noise. focused. <laughs> exactly And it's so technology focused that they're not actually, you know, progressing in terms of like, you know, handwriting and the fine movement they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So she was she gave like an excellent <laughs> like talk to this mother, like this is where your kid's behind. This is what we need to work on. And I get that we're all about technology now, but you got to get the basics done too, which is fair. Mm -hmm.
0: I know in the clinic, we would ask like, are you, you know, zero to one hours, one to two or greater than three. And when, when you say greater than three, it really kicks in, Mm -hmm. you know, our um, counseling. The reality is, is that your kids should really be limited, whether they are, whether they are at home all day for school or in, in, in the actual classroom, you know, we should try to keep it to you somewhere between one and three hours of screen time at the most. And that screen time should definitely not be one or two hours before bedtime because the led light, the light that's in our cell phones our iPads, even now all of our flat screen TVs kind of tell the brain it is not, you know, uh, 10 o'clock at night. It's actually 10 o'clock in the morning. You're not sleepy. The sun is out. You're fine. You, You need to be up. And so it really does change um, your brain pattern, and, and so they're not. And so, if your kids are on iPads and everything like that, right up to bedtime, then they don't wind down appropriately. So, you've noticed now if you've got like an iPhone, and I'm sure even the Androids and all this stuff do it, they now have a way for you to start putting in okay, what is your bedtime? So, that your mm-hmm. phone starts to power down, right? It starts to go into um, do not disturb early, and so it's trying to prevent you because adults have this problem too from physically looking in that screen you know, 30 minutes to two hours before your bedtime, you can set it for variable hours that you can like wind down. So if your kiddos are, um, if you got them watching iPads or, you know, TV or cell phones, and you're like, you got five more minutes. And then you shut the, I've heard this too. I hear parents that you got five more minutes and turn the phone off and go to bed. They're not ready for mm-hmm. bed because their brains have been, you know, taking the information that implies that it's not bedtime at all. Like it's actually daytime. It's the middle of the day. And so that's why Mm. your kids are having a hard time getting to sleep, having a hard time, you know, going, going to sleep. And then they get up in the morning and they're sluggish, they're tired. And now you got to fight with them all day, which brings you back to the same time at night. So yes, activities are a thing. So, um, as much as technology has helped us kind of like what Dr. Sunshine was saying, like, you've got to implement some activities. Uh, you've got to get them outside, you know, maybe a park with lots of people in it isn't a thing, but maybe some activities, you know, in the backyard, you know, some jump ropes, some ball, stuff like that. Maybe we took, you know, we put the iPads down, put the phones down, we break out some old school pen and paper, crayon stuff like that. Let's draw, mm-hmm. let's paint. You do have to find ways to keep them engaged in those things. Um, playing music, right? Like maybe, maybe um, I call it like a kid club. Like there's like these YouTube videos for like the kids where they're dancing, they're bopping. And so sometimes they mm-hmm. get so they get so wrapped up into they they learn all the routines. I have a good friend of mine. Her girls like know every dance routine that this YouTube video does. And so there's some moments we're not even looking at the routine anymore. They like dancing, like, like this is my part right here. I'm gonna get this jam right here. That's fine mm-hmm. because if not staring at the screen, it keeps going. But, um, I, I don't envy parents from this standpoint, but yes, you are on the hook for putting the screens down, you know, um, especially if they're at home all day. So once school's over now for them, that should be the end of their screen time. Unless they have to do it for homework. And then when homework is over, you got to find outdoor activities.
2: I I totally yeah. agree, and I think I think it's important, especially with children. Children need discipline, and they need routines, and you need to set those boundaries, right? And um, even like I think it was my cousin during when COVID hit, uh, he decided he he to get his kid engaged. I think his kid is like what um, seven eight. I think he's seven years old. I don't know. Kids stayed the same age in my head my cousin. He's like like seven years old. Anyway, he bought this. I thought it was a great idea that he did this. He bought this huge puzzle and he just Mm. had them. He started working on the puzzle and he got the, he got the kid engaged to work on the puzzle too. So those are things that you can get them to not watch TV, not because they're home. So you got to kind of keep the kids active and busy, you know? And I mean, we're not, The screen time, we should limit the screen time. This is, it's good for their development. So we got to do other things. And as parents, that's, that's Mm -hmm. what you got to do.
3: No, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you kind of like, as we got, we're we're all talking. I was just kind of thinking about like all the summer camps that my mom and my dad would like put us in, you know, like, you know, just to like go off and like do stuff that's not at home, you know, during, you know, in the summer of the school year. You know, I don't know how that's going to, like, happen if, you know, if we're still dealing with COVID in 20, I mean, we're going to be still dealing with COVID, like, you know, from years on here on out. But I just don't know, like, how that, that format's going to, like, pan out, you know, being a couple years, you know, into this pandemic and if those things are going to still be in an occurrence, like, here on out.
1: I will say this, a lot of my patients have gotten really creative and they have these um like these family bubbles, like these quarantine bubbles. Mm-hmm. So there'd be, um, because, you know, before COVID happened, these kids, they did have friends and, you know, there's PTA meetings. So there's actually a lot of their classmates and parents who know each other. So I actually have like lots of different families, like two or three families that are like, hey, we're getting regularly tested. Let's be sure we all hold each other accountable. And they let their kids play together to keep them like engaged and they play outside and to keep the interactions That's there. Good. And they just form these and they form these social bubbles, which is awesome. But I also really agree with what Amy Jo said, because to be honest, the people that are having these children, the most of y'all, most of y'all are Gen X and Gen Y, and you knew what life was like before the internet. So you need to go ahead and just like take a step back, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And think about what you did as a child and then implement some of that stuff back. Like maybe you got a basketball hoop or, you know, maybe you and your kid can just go and just like, you know, do outdoor activities. Like, and we know what that was like because we didn't grow up with the internet at least not, you know, Uh, in our young years. So So take a step back and reflect and then, you know, get creative. Yeah, our first cell phone. Y'all not, y'all not Gen Z's. Y'all not Gen Z's. I, I think, <laughs> y'all got the 2 I think we're all millennials
3: <laughs> on this group, right? No.
1: Millennial is a Gen Y. We're Gen Y. Gen that's the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Gen X and Gen Y, you know what life was like before, you know, the internet, before TikTok. So it was so long. Challenge long yourself. Oh my
3: goodness. But yeah. Like
1: Chal- challenge yo, yourself. Yo, we didn't
3: get our first cell phone to like middle school. So I mean, you know, we we kind of had like our little outdoor activities planned like before that point, but there's things to do, you know. You can't keep your kids engaged despite that. So,
1: and there's like cool stuff you can do to even like teach some colors and keep them active. Y'all can just buy like Twister and play Twister at home with the family. You know, have a Twister break. You learn your colors. You get flexible. You listen. <laughs> y'all y'all can do it. I have faith in you, parents. Or they, you or they could it. just do what
2: my parents did. They just turned off the TV. <laughs> and dare you and yeah and they were like that's (laughs) it figure something out (laughs) Uh, uh, (laughs) they're like you're not paying my electricity figure something out
1: (laughs) either way that's all the questions i have for y'all today because we are already over Mm -hmm. in time um no no would you like to remind the people where they can find us before we roll
3: out. Where you can find us are thechocolatemds.com as our website. You can also post your questions uh, to our little question box uh, so that we can address them in our future shows. In addition, be sure to follow us on thechocolatemds. The handle is the same for our Instagram, Facebook, and our Twitter. Please follow us on Twitter. I don't know what y'all are doing, but we have a Twitter account. Please follow us on there, too. Um, (laughs) Either way, uh, we love to have you guys there, and any new updates with the show, with the um, with the recordings, like any changes in date, I'll be posting on those uh, on those platforms. So be sure to follow us there. Sounds like a plan. Now, mind you, you know
1: I'm gonna start retweeting. I rarely retweet from our Twitter account. You know, I, I, I that's your whole realm, no, no. But I am, I I, <laughs> I am on Twitter pretty frequently, so. <laughs> I could start retweeting and do and do my due diligence. I can't just leave it up to you and Amy Joe. You and Amy Joe be putting in work. I'm going <laughs> to set my game up. And Dr. Chris can't do it with me cuz Dr. Chris isn't even on social media. So she's like, "Oh, ah, you know, eh, eh, what? Maybe.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm I'm a failure in that in that. You know, no, the I, know, old fact I know. Word of mouth, that, that works just right. as well too. So. That's what I've been doing. Yeah, okay. that, and that's fine we too. You it. the
1: part, Chris. I, I like that. I like that. Either way, we bid you all farewell. Bye. Bye.